Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? You guys awake? Beautiful morning. I'm so glad you're here. I've been looking forward to sharing with you. I have the honor to talk to you today. And we've been looking at different aspects of our life and how God wants to transform us. Just like we take that sheet of paper, if you have some artistic skills, you can fold that paper in all different kinds of shapes and you can make just about anything, right? Unless you're me. Other people, you know, you got those skills. God takes our ordinary lives and, and he folds and shapes and molds us and he can do amazing things through our life. And that's what this series is about, life transformation. God wants to change your life, to make you to be like the person he created you to be, to make you to be more like Christ. And so we, we, he's in that life transformation business and transformation begins in our minds. So would you read our series theme verse with me? It's on the screen. Read it out loudly with me. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. Now, you've been hearing this verse for the last four weeks, so now I want you to say it from memory. Can you do that? And I want you to say it a little louder. That was a little weak. I'm sorry I have to tell you the truth, but I'm saying it in love, okay? But let's, let's say it a little louder, all right? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. That's a key verse for our lives and for this series. And we've looked at spiritual health and physical health. I don't know if you noticed last week, Pastor Paul didn't refer to me as an example of physical health, but I am taking some baby steps, okay? We all got a lot of things to work on. That's one of my areas. So you take some baby steps together, right? And we started with spiritual health because that's the foundation of everything. That's critical that you're spiritually healthy. All parts of our lives are connected. And you get physically healthy because when you don't feel good, you can't do much. You don't feel like doing anything. And today we're looking at this area of vocational health. It's, it, it covers your job, your work, but much more than your job, your whole life, as we'll see as we look at this together. So I want to encourage you to have a transformed view of work and of your vacation, uh, vocation. And so let's talk a little bit about work. You know, many people view work, they view, they view their jobs, what they do during the day, as a necessary evil, something to endure in order to put food on the table. And some people go with a negative attitude, they drag themselves to work every day, they're kind of dreading it, and they put in just enough effort to get by to keep from getting fired and make sure they get their paycheck. And it's no wonder that people feel negative at work and struggle. I mean, recent studies, some surveys show us things like 42% of workers reported yelling and verbal abuse took place where they worked, 42%. One in 10 said that physical violence had occurred where they worked. That's kind of scary. 34% had lost sleep because of workplace stress, and 23% had been driven to tears. And now, now we're learning how widespread sexual harassment really is with the whole Me Too movement and people coming forward. We, you know, so many things have been buried and hidden, and no wonder people dread going off to work. Others see people, uh, they see work as, a, as an opportunity to serve themselves. They think if I work hard, I can get more and then I can buy all the toys and things life has to offer and that'll satisfy me and make me happy. And so they work, work, work. Some of those people will even fall into the trap of they'll lie and cheat and steal and mislead people in order to get ahead, in order to make more money. They see work as the means to get everything they dreamed of. Other people, they see work as their identity. This is who I am. And some, sadly, many, they don't see work as having anything to do with their faith. They compartmentalize. 
like my, my God thing, my Christian thing. That's what I do on my own time when I'm at church on the weekend. Maybe I have a little quiet time during the week. But, man, when I go to work, that has nothing to do with my faith. And I want to tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. So I want to share three key areas where you need to change the way that you think about work. First of all, number one on your outline, work, work is not a four-letter word. Okay, I know technically it is a four-letter word, but it's not the one of those four-letter words. You know what I mean? Genesis says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. You know, he created us to work. This was before sin. I used to think that we had to work because, because people sinned, because we sinned. No, work just got harder because of sin. But God designed you and me. First of all, he designed us for a relationship with him. But he also created us to work. We're made in his image to be creative, to produce things. He created us to, to manage the earth. It also says he created us to take care of it, to steward it. Now, that's a whole other talk. We're not doing a very good job of that. But we're supposed to take care of the earth. And, and God has placed us there and given us this purpose. And this is where we get the idea of this word vocation. Vocation is a divine call, a summons to God's service. And in the medieval times, in Catholic theology, this term vocation comes from Latin. And it literally means a calling. So, and, and they, they kind of identified this term as this idea that certain people are called to become a priest or a monk or a nun to serve God in the church. And they taught the only way to be spiritually healthy and whole is you had to, you had to kind of leave the normal life and you had to commit to a life of celibacy and poverty and monastic withdrawal from the world. And that God only calls certain people to this. And God only has a calling on certain people's lives. And it was such a tragedy. And you know, the Protestant reformers, they said this doctrine, this teaching, it doesn't fit in with true biblical teaching. And they begin to teach what we, we call the priesthood of all believers. That God's called all of us, you and me, to be priests. A priest represents God to the world and the world to God. And God's called all of us to serve. He has a calling on all of our lives. Whether it's in the church or in the home or in the school or in your workplace. So everybody, they said everybody has a spiritual vocation or calling. And some, some people find there's this calling in, in, their, in marriage or as a parent. Some people as whatever kind of work you might do. Some people through their volunteer work. Do you know this weekend, we have a group of 60 people up with their winter getaway or student camp, 52 students and their, their adult leaders. Can you, largest group we've ever had. They're up there right now. They're having a worship service together this morning. They've been away having fun and listening to God. And there's 60 people there. And see, this is a great example of what I'm talking about. You see, on the adult staff leadership team, we have two people who are there. They, they do their vocation. They do this as their profession. Mike and Becca, they get paid to do this so that they can devote all their time, all their, you know, we buy their time so they can serve our kids and lead this ministry. And they're doing a fantastic job. But you know, Mike and Becca couldn't do it by themselves. Can you imagine them trying to watch 52 kids? I mean, we have six volunteers up there. They're part of the staff. And this is part of their vocation as well. See, during the week, these six people, they go off to other jobs and they get paid so they can support themselves and provide food. But that's not their full vocation. They're, they feel God's also called them to pour into these teenagers. Does that make sense? So it's not just your work. I mean, your work's a big part of it. It's not just your job, but it's also things that you do for God as a volunteer. And so God calls you. Uh, A.J. Conyers said this, he said, vocation is about being raised from the dead, made alive to the reality 
that we do not merely exist, but we are called forth to a divine purpose. Can you underline that phrase? Called forth to a divine purpose. And if you don't get anything else that I say today, I want you to get this. God has a calling on each of your lives. He has a purpose for you. You are not here by accident, and he's designed and created you, and he wants to transform you in the way you think and to help you as you follow Christ to fulfill that calling and that purpose in the world. Your life matters. Second thing that we need to think differently about work. Work for more than the weekend. Work for more than provision. Work for more than your identity. You know, we do work to provide for ourselves and our family. That's biblical. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul said if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And that refusing to provide for your family is a sin. If somebody refuses to do their part to do what they can to provide for their family. But the Bible also says work is much more. It's much more than those things. See, Paul said this in Colossians. Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically. Literally, that word means from the soul, from your soul, from your heart, from your being. Do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men. How would that change the way you look at your job if when you get up to work tomorrow and you go to work, as you're driving to work, you realize, I don't work for my boss, I don't work for the company, but I'm actually working for God. I'm actually there to represent and serve God. And Paul says, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as if you're doing it for the Lord. Martin Luther said, whatever you do in your house, even the, even the housework that you do, cooking or cleaning or yard work, as you're doing it, as you're trying to follow Christ and love him and honor him and love your family, that's like you're doing it for God in heaven. He said, all our work is holy and sacred when we're doing it for the Lord. Tim Keller said this, if our identity, if our identity is in our work rather than Christ, success will go to our heads and failure will go to our hearts. It's a pretty profound statement. I hope you'll wrestle with that this week. But he's just saying work is not where we get our ultimate identity. That's just part of what we do. He says our identity is in Christ. We're children of God. You know, if my identity is in myself and I'm successful at work, then I'm going to get kind of prideful, start thinking I'm all that. But also if I fail at work, I'm going to think, wow, man, I'm, I'm not much. Well, who am I? That's not where my identity comes from. We don't want to live a performance-based life. Now, I want you to hear from someone who has experienced a huge transformation in their life, in their way of thinking. I want you to hear from Peter Weston. He's a key leader at our Hayward campus. So uh, listen to this powerful story. My name's uh, Peter Weston. I have a beautiful wife, Maria, and I have three children that I'm very proud of, Ali, Lucas, and Evelyn. We've been attending Crossroads here for almost seven years now. And... So I look back on my past when I didn't have a relationship with Christ, and my life was empty. It was just a mess. My relationships were unhealthy, selfish, uh, dishonest. You know, I, th I thought I had it all figured out, and where I was in control of my life and made lots of bad decisions. I would drink with my friends at bars and at their house and, and love the party scene. I would even take it upon myself to drive home under the influence. My occupation is in construction, uh, a sheet metal worker in the sheet metal workers union. I would view work as just a job, you know, just go to work, do my hours, work, get paid, and go home. I used foul language, I cussed, I swore, just like everyone else. I was stubborn, I wouldn't listen to the foreman, 
And I didn't do things the way he told me to do them. I wanted to do it the way I wanted to do it. So I wasn't very kind to others. I would just tell them, you know, I'm here to work. I'm not here to make friends. All my free time, I would go to the bar and drink with my friends and, and come home late. I pretty much just worked and lived for the weekend. So in my childhood years, my, my grandma and grandpa would take us to Sunday school uh, to learn about Jesus. As I got older, I drifted away from church and never really had a relationship with Jesus. I lost my dad at the age of 30, unexpectedly, and didn't know how to handle the pain. Uh, my mom, Joyce Hemby, told me about church, and she was attending by the name of Crossroads, and so I gave it a try. I found Jesus through Crossroads, asking him to forgive me of my sins and come into my life in 2012. I was baptized soon after. What really, what really led me to become a Christian was reading a book, Not a Fan, by Kyle Eidelman. I don't know if you guys have read this book. Great book. Really, really, really uh, uh, recommended. So Kyle challenged me to grow in my faith by getting out of the bleachers and into the game. Kyle said a follower of Jesus was not a fan, but a participant who followed Jesus by serving and obeying him in every area of life. Jesus has transformed my life in so many ways since I surrendered my life to his leadership. I learned to say yes to God and live life with a purpose. I have an awesome church family that is always there for me and encouraging me in my faith. I opened the door for my heart and surrendered my life to Jesus. People know me as a Christian at work. I'm always talking about the Hayward campus, how God has used me and transformed me into a different person. I love sharing my story with others and tell them how God is working in my life. People come and talk to me at work about their problems in marriage, relationships, and in life in general. I encourage them and invite them to church and tell them the only thing they're missing is a relationship with Jesus. I feel God is using me at work to share my faith with others and reaching out to the seekers in the unchurched. On March 5th, 2017, we launched a campus at Mount Eden High School. I serve as a leader there. It has been a huge blessing for me and my family, and I would have never thought this is what God had in plan for me. God has changed me into a different person than who I was in the past. Now on my free time, I spend time with God and my family. I feel the Holy Spirit just working inside me, giving me strength, wisdom, you know, love, and, and the right words to say to my family, to my friends, and my coworkers. I feel happy and a sense of peace in my life, even at work. I look forward to every Sunday serving at the Hayward campus. We open the storage container at 6.30 a.m. We push in all the crates. We transform the cafeteria into a beautiful worship center. We set up video, lights, sound pipe, drapes, and kids' ministry classrooms. After serving the people who show up, we put everything away again and driving away at about 12.30, 1 o'clock. So it is truly amazing the community that we're building. 
All of us working together creates relationships and accountability. Doing this every Sunday is hard work, but it is so fulfilling to serve for our Lord Jesus Christ. I feel God has led me to this campus to help create an inviting, welcoming, loving culture where seekers can come and fall in love with Jesus. I challenge you today to find your ministry of work and serve faithfully and be a light in the workplace. Anyone who would like to join our team at the Hayward campus can write the word Hayward on their communication card. We'd love to have you. You can help out in our load-in, in our setup and teardown team. You can help out on the welcome team, sight and sound, and children's ministry. Thank you and God bless. I mean, you talk about a transformed life. And guys, that's why we do what we do as a church. That's why we exist. That's why we give. That's why we serve. Every one of you who served in this church and given, you've had a part of Peter's story, and now Peter's paying it forward. He's, he's not just going to work 40, 50 hours a week working hard, but he's working as part of his vocation as his calling on Sunday morning for free. And he's sharing with our Hayward campus this morning. And so I encourage you, you know, transform your view of work. And as you do, work, number three, work can become an act of worship. See your work as worship. See, when you're doing it for God, when you're doing it for Him, and you're looking at people through different eyes, and work and the wealth it produces is God-given. Look what it says in Deuteronomy. You may say to yourself, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why this talking head song pops in my head. You may say to yourself, <laughs> you may say to yourself, <laughs> My power, I got problems. My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. See, it's all about me. But God says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. As you work, God says, remember him. Honor him. You're doing it for him. You're, you, you think, man, when you're being successful, you think it's all you. You know, you think I work hard and I'm so skilled and I'm all that. But you know, you could lose all that in a minute. You could be in an accident, you could get sick, your company could close down, unexpected, so anything. You could lose all that in a minute. God says, as you work, remember me. Don't think you're all that. And then he says this in Proverbs, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. God says one of the ways that you honor him, one of the ways that you remember him is you remember him with your wealth. You give back to God. It's one of the reasons that we give an offering. It's one of the ways that we worship God. It reminds us, as followers of Christ, that I don't belong to myself, I belong to God. That I belong to him, all that I have. He gives me life, he gives me purpose, he gives me meaning. And I wanna ask you to circle that word, first fruits, there. First fruits. Sometimes people ask me, well, how much should I give? And I believe the Bible teaches we give a tithe or 10%. And you may, you know, that's what I would challenge you to do. The Bible, God says, test me. But you may be going, Dwayne, there's no way I can do that. Okay, I'm not here to twist your arm. But I do want to tell you, if you're going to give, give off the top. Don't give off what's left at the end of the month. So you decide between you and God, here's what I'm going to give. If it's not 10%, decide what you're going to give. I'm going to give 5%. I'm going to give $100, whatever it is. And give it to God first. Remember to honor him. It's one of the ways that we worship him. So see your life as your, as your vocation, as your calling, your whole life, not just your job, it's your purpose. And then, so part of, as you begin to transform the way you look at work, it should help you to, to begin to develop some new habits in life, some new ways that you work, because you're working for God and not for people. 
So let's look at that quickly together. 2 Corinthians says, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know, if you got called by the president and you got asked to be an ambassador to another country, that's a very high honor. That's one of the highest honors your country could give you. And you go to another country and you represent your country there. You represent their interests. You stand for the United States. But it also is a big responsibility. You've got to be a good representative. You've got to be a good example, right? And that's what God's called us to do. So the first thing I want to say is, number one, work hard. Work hard at what you do. Now in Colossians, Paul says this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Now the Bible, he's not, God's not condoning slavery. That's just the reality of our sin-filled world. But he said, if you're a slave and you're a follower of Christ, obey your earthly masters. Now you have to look at the whole Bible. You obey your masters unless they ask you to do something immoral or illegal. Then you don't have to obey them. But he says, obey your masters. So you think your boss, you got it bad. You got a jerky boss, but at least you're not a slave, right? He says, obey your earthly masters and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. It says work hard, not just when they're looking. Now I want to break this down because, because this is something I'm trying to teach my kids. So this kind of, how do you work hard? First I would say see and do. See and do. Take initiative. When you see a problem, when you see something that needs to be taken care of or addressed, don't wait for the boss to come by and tell you to do it or hope somebody else does it. You know, unless you're carrying out another assignment, take it upon yourself to see and do. See what needs to be done. Second, finish well. Finish, you know, don't just start, but finish. So often I find that people we hire, they get off to a great start. They do about 80 or 90% of the work, but it's hard to get. The, I'm not talking about our staff. I'm talking about contractors and stuff. All right. <laughs> our staff's great, but I'm talking about other people. I got to be careful there. But finish what you start, you know. And then do your best. Do your best. You know, let's do a halfway job. And sometimes, you, you know, your best, you wish you could do better, but that's the best you can do with the time you have, and you have to accept that. Work hard. If you work hard and remember you're working for God, maybe your boss doesn't deserve it, maybe your company doesn't deserve it, but you're working for God, you'll be surprised as you obey God, how it, you just follow his principles, so often you'll be blessed, you'll be rewarded. You might be surprised to know that I wasn't born a pastor. And uh, when I was 12 years old, well, I didn't have any money, I wanted to work. And so I went and knocked on, I started mowing grass in 95 degree heat, 90% humidity. This is in Virginia. The yards are like two or three or four times bigger than the yards here. Lots of grass. Just a little kid, not a self-propelled mower, pushing up and down hills and doing all this work. In the, in the heat, in the snow, I mowed all the grass. I'm just seeing if you guys are awake. I clean, I clean toilets, I cleaned offices, I, I clean kitchens, I, I've done yard work, I've bagged groceries, I've stocked shelves, I've run a cash register, I've kept books for a small company, I've carried oriental carpets around and rolled them out in people's homes so they can see if it looks good in their house and if they want to buy them. And you know, all, the, all, those, jo all those jobs, I tried to practice these three things. And you know, I would get rewarded, I would get raises when other co-workers didn't get raises and God would take care of me because I had the right attitude and the right heart. And you know what, as you do that, God takes care of you so often. I've only lost one job in my life, and that was when I was serving as a pastor in a church, and, and uh, I went, went through a divorce, and the, the elders didn't think that uh, it was the right time for me to stay there, and they tearfully, I mean, they didn't want me to leave, but they just, they were all torn up about it. And uh, every church I've served through the years, 30, almost 34 years, every church I've served, there were tears when I left. Now, I like to think it was tears because they loved me and they were going to miss me. Maybe they were happy, like, finally. 
I don't know, but, you know, so you work hard, you have a good attitude, and God will bless you. So let me challenge you, you know, to practice this. Second thing, get sharper. Get sharper. Number two, don't settle. Don't get comfortable, but be a lifelong lear learner. Keep getting better. Develop your skills. Don't be like the guy who went to in for the job interview, and the interviewer said, wow, you have no experience in this field, and yet you're asking for a rather high salary. The applicant said, yes, work is so much harder when you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, work is hard when you know what you're doing, right? The Bible says this, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. You know, one of the ways you honor God and you work for him, keep getting better, develop, develop your skills, develop your abilities, take advantage of opportunities to get better. Third thing. Set some boundaries. Set some boundaries. Work hard. Work smart. But don't work too long. Don't overwork. Psalm 127, it's a beautiful uh, passage here. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. And what he's saying is, you're not in control. You can work as hard as you want, you can make as much as you want, you can get all the security you want, but if God's not in it, there's no guarantees. And ultimately, if you step back in the big picture, it doesn't really matter. He says you want to work with God involved in your life. Second thing, verse 2, it says, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. I think what God is telling us is, you know, soften, we work so hard, sometimes out of fear. You know, man, if I don't do this, if I don't, have, if I don't I'm not going to eat. And God wants us to work and do our part and then trust him. Trust him. And you get it plugged into a church family. If you're working hard and you're doing the best you can and, and things aren't working, then you get some support around you, some people to help you and people to help you find a place where you can make enough to provide for your family. But don't work out of fear, and don't work from morning till late at night out of greed. Well, I'm just going to get some more so I can do this bigger vacation or buy that better car. He, he says, find a balance, set some boundaries. And one of the reasons that he says that to us is for our health and for our benefit. But verse 3 says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. If you're working from early in the morning till late at night, you don't have time to enjoy the gifts that God has given you. Your kids, your wife, your husband, all, whatever he's blessed you with, you don't have time if you're working all the time. He says our, our children are a gift. Now, I'll be honest, some days our kids feel more like gifts than others, right, parents? I can say that because my kids are away on the retreat, so I can get away with that this morning. Well, you know, just a little honesty there, so set some boundaries. Fourth thing, do right. Do what's right. Proverbs 11 says, the Lord detests. That word detests, we don't use that a lot, detests. What does that mean? It means he abhors, he hates, he loathes, he can't tolerate dishonest scales. But accurate weights find favor with him. God hates it when we cheat at work to get ahead, when we cheat someone, when we shade the truth, we fudge the numbers, we, we promise something to the customer to get a contract that we know we can't pr provide, when we cheat to get ahead and lie and twist things. Or when we go to work and we don't do a, an honest day's work for our pay. God hates that. But he says he'll bless us. He loves honest scales and he, he favors that. He'll bless us. 
And so that's so important. Jesus said when someone is faithful with a little, they can be trusted with more. As you're obediently answering God's call on your life, his, the vacation he's given you, then God will begin to bless you and entrust you with more responsibilities and more resources that you can use for him, not just for you. Fifth thing, this is a big one. Serve others. Serve others. When you go to work, for every follower of Christ, our workplace, the office, the store, the construction site, the school, our home, wherever we work, it's our mission field. And Paul said this, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He doesn't say ignore your interests, but he says don't just think about yourself. Think about the interests of others. See people as God sees them. You know, every person you work with, I know this is hard to believe, but every person you work with, God loves them. They may not be very lovable, but God loves them. They're made in God's image, and God wants to use you in their lives if it's possible, and you do your part. So how do we, how do we show interest in others? You know, ask questions about their life. Show interest in them, and really listen. Really listen to what they have to say. You know, Find ways, find little innocent ways where you can just let them know, hey, I'm different. I follow God without being all in their face. So your great question to ask is, what did you do last weekend? And most people are going to tell you what they did, right? And most people, if they're emotionally healthy, they're going to ask you, well, what did you do last weekend? Well, I mowed the lawn, took the kids to their, you know, their soccer game. And man, I went to a great church service on Sunday morning. That's all you got to say. Maybe you'd like to come with me sometime. I might be going, you went to church? Yeah, it was awesome can lie a little bit about that okay (laughs) just kidding so when they share a hurt or a need maybe their mom's sick or in the hospital in another state they're stressed out or one of their kids is struggling just tell them you know what I'm going to be praying for her this week I'm going to be praying for him this week you know that's all you got to say and then when you leave make sure you really pray for him okay write it down put a post-it on your computer or whatever right and pray for him for a few days Pray for them. Pray for your coworker. They're stressed about it. And then go back to them in a few days and say, hey, I've been thinking about you and your mom. I've been thinking about you and your son. How are things? I've been praying for you. I don't think too many people are going to be upset you're praying for them, okay? If they are, then just back off and say, I promise I'll never pray for you again. <laughs> but you got to put it out there. And then your speech, how you talk to others, how you talk about others. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You know, try to build others up. How can you, how can you help raise your coworkers or your people who work under you? How can you train them and build them up and help them to be better? Don't just think about yourself. Don't gossip or talk. Try not to tear other people down. There are times you've got to go in a meeting and you've got to be honest with your boss or another. Hey, this person, you know, they're not cutting it. We need to talk to them about it. But I'm saying you don't tear them down or belittle them. You want to be somebody that people are glad they work with. You want to be a light in the workplace. You don't want to be like, like this uh, cop. He only had a few months left on the job. And, and every day he could be heard counting down how many days and how many months, days and hours and minutes he had left. And, and the boss, the police chief, he was just getting really ticked about this. And finally in front of the whole, whole squadron, he said, I've been on the job for 43 years. And I've never counted the days off until I'm out of here. One of the guys in the back shouted, that's because everyone else is counting them down for you. You don't want to be that guy. Everybody just wait until you're gone, right? You want to be somebody that you're like, you're a light. You bring energy and enthusiasm into the workplace. 
And number six, this is, this is the big challenge I have for each one of you. Trust God and take some risks. Take some risks. Many people wonder, well, what's God's will for my life? How do I know God's will? And it starts by obeying the things in the Bible, just the basic stuff that's clearly spelled out. You start obeying God in the little things, day in and day out, and God will start directing you in the big things, the big questions you ask. And so you start obeying God, whatever he asks you to do, whatever he says. And Isaiah says this, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. He directs you. He leads you as you, as you follow him. His spirit fills you and he leads you how to, how, to, how to act, when to speak up, what to say. He'll guide you and direct you. Sometimes God will put someone on your heart. You just know you need to reach out to that person and look out for them. And sometimes God directs you to stay in a tough job, in a difficult work environment. Because God wants to use you there. He wants you to be a light. He wants to grow you. He wants to sharpen you. Other times you may know, I need to leave this job. It's too unethical. It's too abusive. There's no room to grow and develop. It doesn't give me a livable wage. But then you're afraid to make the change. You're afraid to pull the trigger. And that's where you got to say, you know, I'm God's. I'm his child. I work for him. He's with me, and he's going to provide for me. And you got to step out and take that risk. Sometimes God says, you know what? I've been training and preparing you for something you didn't even expect. It, you need to change your profession. You know, I've known people, they were like financial advisors, and they want to go teach kids math. They really have a passion for that. But it's a big step down financially. It's scary. But if God's calling you to do that, he'll provide your needs. You may have to downsize your life a little bit, but he'll provide for you. And maybe someone here, I mean, in a church our size, I have to believe God is calling some of you to go into work for him, to become a pastor or a missionary or a student leader or a program director or whatever it might be. God may be calling you, but it's scary because you go, man, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I'll make enough money. But you trust God and you answer him. See, I love this story in the Old Testament. It's one of the key passages in the Bible. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, that was Abraham's name before God changed it. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country <clears throat> and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. See, it's not just for, he's not just blessing Abraham for himself, he's blessing for others. And he said, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, including us today who are followers of Christ. We're blessed through Abraham and his obedience. But Abraham, when God called him to leave, he was 75 years old. His wife, Sarah, was 65. It's a good reminder. Christians never really retire. You may leave your workplace, but if you're here on this earth, God still has a vocation, things for you to do. And Abraham was established, and he was wealthy. He was living around his family. And God called him to make a drastic change that didn't make sense. Pick up and move. And can you imagine how this conversation went with Mrs. Abraham? Uh, Sarah, guess what? We got to have a yard sale, honey, and could you take the camels down and get them checked out, make sure they're ready for a long road trip? I've contacted a realtor. We're going to be selling this place. She'd be like, what? After decades here, where are we going? I still haven't unpacked all the boxes we had when we moved in 40 years ago, right? Abraham says, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where we're going, honey. What? Are you crazy? Uh, yeah, God said he'd show us. And uh, on top of that, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, that must have been quite a conversation, right? 
Now, maybe Sarah was glad to get along. Maybe she just wanted to get away from the in-laws. I don't know. But I want you to hear from someone who's living this out as we, as we kind of come to the conclusion of our message. I want you to hear from somebody who's living this out in their lives. I want you to hear from Pastor Cal, who's trusting God and taking some risks. So listen to this with me. Well, hey, guys. I am not as tall as Peter Weston. You know, this year, 2018, is 33 years of vocational ministry for me. But three years ago, I left South Carolina and thought I'd never be on a church staff again. I pastored a very large church in South Carolina for about 12 years, and then God nudged me out of that ministry to a ministry of coaching other pastors and and kind of mentoring them as well. That's where I met Pastor Paul in that relationship of coaching and talking back and forth. And I I literally fell in love with Pastor Paul in our conversations and in those moments where we were just feeding on each other. And I especially started to fall in love with the vision of Crossroads Church. And I love the latter part of this vision where it says to live life on purpose. You know, in 30 years of ministry, as I began to see what this team was like, I had never seen a staff and a team of people that worked together and loved and cared for each other like I'd seen here at Crossroads Church. I'd never seen that before. I actually created a term for it. It was truly rare air when you walked into this place and when you walked into those offices. It was rare air. And then God called me in the midst of those conversations to join this team. So Tina and I obeyed that call. We love this team. We love this church. We we love this mission. However, however, from my heart, as some sadness in my heart and some things that are going on in me, um, we sense that God is calling us together now to our next season of life and ministry. It's another huge risk, as we just heard and filled in the blank. This decision that we've made has been a great deal of struggle and prayer because we love this place so much, and we love you so much. Out of nowhere, and I put quotations mark on, out of nowhere. You know, when something comes out of nowhere, it's usually God. But out of nowhere, an opportunity to work in the secular world, and hopefully you know what that term means, outside of the church world, in the secular world, came and, you know, we prayed and struggled and believed this is God. So for the first time in in my life, outside of serving in the Air Force as a young man, I'm going to be working outside of pastoral ministry. Uh, My daughter actually said, so now you're going to have a real job, right? (laughs) Friends, God has used our time here at Crossroads to oversee the launch of a campus that's just been an amazing birth. And to raise up leaders like Peter Weston and his wife Maria and so many more, God has used us to raise up so many people to lead that campus. 
But more than that, in the last two years, God has been working and preparing in me like never before. He's prepared me to work alongside of and to love and to share life with those who are seeking the truth outside of these walls. Let me assure you of something as I close. I, I leave this team with great unity and the deepest love and respect for each one. I wish I had time to go to each person in this moment and say their names, but especially my time with Pastor Paul has just been amazing. I mean, amazing, just beautiful. And it will never be anything but beautiful. It's been one of the greatest honors of our life to be on the staff with the greatest people in the world. And you never, ever need to take that for granted, that you have the greatest team in the world. It is truly rare air. So can I say to you, God bless you as you continue to live out the mission of loving the Lord Jesus Christ, loving one another, and living your life on purpose. I love you deeply, always will. You're not getting rid of me yet. We'll be around for a little more time. And I actually get to preach the last message of this series. So I'm really looking forward to that. I love you guys. God bless you. Well, like me, I know many of you are sad and disappointed that Cal's leaving. I mean, he's made me better. He's helped me to be a better pastor, and he's helped Crossroads Cal and his wife, Tina. Cal sharpened us, and you know, I'm so thankful for his life and his example. And God brought him here at just the right time when we were ready and thinking about launching a campus, and we knew Cal wouldn't be that campus pastor there forever. We were hoping he would stay and start, help us start some other campuses. But I'm so proud of Cal because he came in my office, you know, he told me, this is a scary step for him because he's never worked in this kind of environment. Why would God take him there all of a sudden at this time in his life? But then he's been working there a few weeks. He came back to me. He said, you know what? I wouldn't know how to relate to these people out there, these seekers, if I hadn't have been at Crossroads, if I hadn't been in a church that welcomes seekers and loves people where they're at. He said, God's been preparing me for this for the last two years. And just remember, we don't build our lives on people and on a person. We build our lives on Jesus we build our church on Christ, and we need to be praying for Calentina, and we need to be praying for our Hayward campus and for our church that God will raise up the right leaders to help us to continue to move forward. Well, I want to ask you right now to bow your heads for just a moment. I want to lead you in a time of just a little, I want you to talk to God in your heart. I want you to take a moment and thank God for Calentina. Thank, thank God for their courage to step out of faith and ask Him to lead the way and provide for them. Then I want to ask you to think about yourself for just a moment. Are you willing personally to do whatever God asks, to go wherever He asks you to go, to answer His vocation, His call on your life? Maybe you're not there yet. Ask God to give you the courage and the will to surrender all. Maybe God is putting a call on your heart. You know when you go to work tomorrow, you need to treat your coworkers with a little more love, a little more compassion. You need to be a little more intentional to think about how you could serve them. 
Ask God to just show you, to show you the opportunities to, to change your heart. Maybe God's asking you to start a Bible study at lunch or invite someone to church. <coughs> Maybe you know in your heart God's calling you to change your place of work. Maybe there's some problems there. It's just toxic or God wants you to move somewhere else where you have a chance to grow and develop. Or maybe God's asking you to change your profession or even to become a pastor or a missionary or a volunteer as part of your vocation. Maybe you're scared. Just ask God, God, give me the courage, the boldness to make these changes. Help me to trust you, grow my faith. God, thank you for calling us into your work and into life with you. God, thank you you didn't just create us to just simply exist here on earth, <clears throat> but our lives have a, a purpose. God, fill us with passion for you and for the work and the vocation you've called us to do. Give us the courage to step out in faith and obey, and as we take one little baby step at a time, we see how you meet our needs and you provide and you continue to lead us forward. Thank you for Calentina, Lord, and all the hard work and great example they've been to us. And we pray you take care of them and that you provide the leaders to step up and continue to help in the Hayward campus and here at Fremont as well. God, we love you and we just trust our lives and our church family into your hands. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.